Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. A warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and welcome to the show that feels like um, Monday, but it's clearly not Monday. According to my calendar, I just checked. It is Tuesday, and I'm excited to uh, tell you about my show today because I've got uh, Rob Bluey coming on in just a minute. And right after uh, Rob, Dr. Erwin Lutzer is going to join me. He's written a pretty uh, provocative book called No Reason to Hide, Standing for Christ in a Collapsing Culture. And then in the second hour, Sharon Miller is going to be joining me. She's talking about the cost of control, why we crave it, the anxiety it gives us, and the real power God promises. And frankly, I need all this information today personally. I'm looking forward to uh, both hours, and I always like talking to Rob Louie. He's the executive editor at The Daily Signal. And if you head over to dailysignal.com, you can learn all about that um, uh, that paper, that uh, website. It is fantastic. Rob, thanks for being here. Hey, thank you, Bill. I hope you had a nice uh, Labor Day holiday. It's always good to be on your show. I always say, uh, and I'll say it today and I'll say it tomorrow, I think every weekend should be a three-day weekend. That's right. I mean... <laughs> if we, but Rob, if you and I started a grassroots movement, what do you think the chances are we could make this happen? <laughs> well, we we know that employers are already having a hard enough time That's finding true. a workers bill. That's so true. I mean, I mean, the advantage is with with the workers. So yeah. I guess if you had enough people join our movement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot to talk about, and I always invite listeners at any time to send a question over for Rob. You can text it only to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Again, I'll say that again slower. Eight seven seven nine three three two four. Eight four. Okay, Rob, here's where I would like to start because lots of uh, attention was paid to one particular speech by our president last week with sort of that blood red background with the Marines standing there. Yeah, definitely an interesting setting. It was. Uh, right, right in front of uh, Philadelphia's Independence Hall. And uh, and a primetime speech, which this president has uh, is not inclined to usually use that hour of the, of the evening to deliver remarks, and a, a speech that had mixed messages. On the one hand, appealing to you know the kind of Joe Biden that ran for president in in twenty twenty, and this this uniter and this healer, but then also divisive rhetoric. Uh, he's been using this term ultra MAGA Republicans uh, to really deride anybody who supports. President Trump and and the policies uh, that, uh, that that he advocated for well in the White House, and so I think Americans were left with a little bit of a mixed message as to, to to what they were expecting. And I realize that this is the kickoff of campaign season. Here we are after Labor Day, of course. So I mean, this is when usually the political rhetoric heats up, anyways. And uh, not surprised that uh, Joe Biden has picked Pennsylvania, a state that has a competitive U.S. Senate race and a governor's race, a state that I spent the weekend in uh, the last few days. And so, yes, it's uh, it is a hotly contested battleground. He was in Pittsburgh yesterday, the same place that I was. I was not there to see President Biden. But uh, but Bill, uh, you know, you're inundated uh, on the TV uh, stations there and with yard signs. Uh, it's it's highly competitive. And I think that the president probably feels that there's a lot on the line here. Let's face it, he was vice president when uh, when Barack Obama was president, and he saw how much things changed 
come 2010, uh, after the first two years of having you, you Democrat in the White House and the Democrats controlling both the House and the Senate, they were able to get a lot done in those first couple of years, including Obamacare. And the second two years, they spent uh, really dealing with uh, a dramatically different uh, political environment when Republicans were trying to conduct oversight uh, from their perch as the, the new majority on Capitol Hill. And that is what uh, President Biden wants to avoid. And I think that he's trying to paint this contrast. Unfortunately, I think it's an inaccurate contrast, and I think the American people probably see through it. Mm -hmm. You know, Rob, I have a bunch of listeners on both sides of the aisle, and I know that I want to always uh, try to remain as best I can in a fair and balanced position. I don't know if that expression even works anymore, if if it it means anything to anybody. But as uh, my listeners who would uh, be on on the side that would be very much in favor of the Joe Biden speech, um, did you see or hear anything in it that was encouraging to you? Well, uh, that's like I say, Bill. There were there were certain there were certain lines where he was appealing to the sense of who he ran as a candidate. Uh, you know, in in this this uh, position of a uniter, somebody who uh, wanted to bring the country together to solve the big challenges of our time. I mean, I think that that's the person that people expected. When they elected Joe Biden, uh, they probably didn't, they may have liked some of Trump's policies, but they didn't necessarily all, always like Trump's rhetoric or, or the way that he went about doing things. Uh, I think that that's why independents, uh, you know, who may have supported Trump in 2016, uh, shifted votes and, and went with Biden. Uh, that's why he won a number of those close battleground states. And I think that those are the types of things that, you know, people were hoping that they'd get, uh, myself included, you know, although I didn't vote for, for the man in 2020, I think naturally you want to see somebody who's not going to be pursuing a really divisive um, uh, political agenda or using harsh political language. And, and I think that those are the things that that turn off those independent voters is when you when you go to those political extremes. And if you look at uh, at the president's approval rating, yes, it has ticked up in in recent weeks, I think in part because he's been able to get some legislative wins uh, aided I, I'd, I'll note by some Republicans. I mean, it, it, you know some of those things wouldn't have been possible were it not for Republicans crossing over and supporting the the president's agenda. Uh, but I think overall, you continue to see his his approval numbers um, re- relatively low um, by by the standards of of what you'd want, uh, in part because they want to see somebody who is going to get things done and focus on the concerns that are, are front and center, which we consistently see is the economy and inflation. And unfortunately, the policies that they're pursuing, uh, including the student loan forgiveness, uh, this this bailout uh, for people who are college educated are only going to make the problem worse. Uh, more government spending is not not the answer uh, to inflation. It's actually going to exacerbate the problem. And and those are the things that I think the president uh, is failing to address and why he continues to have approval ratings in the 40s. Mm-hmm. You know, I know this, I've heard the this upcoming midterm election is going to be about gas and groceries. And I thought, well, I've also heard the expression of kitchen table issues. And then I was looking at some of the things that he did not include in his speech like uh, inflation, like gas, like groceries, like uh, immigration issues, um, like rising crime uh, and the border issue and all that. And I thought, well, uh, what did it accomplish? Did he accomplish what he wanted to accomplish? Well, I, I think that the purpose of the speech, uh, as he titled it, was to talk about the soul of the nation. Okay. So I would say, yeah, probably he was he was content with what he wanted to get across. But you're right. Uh, it does. It does 
beg the question as to why they're not talking about some of these other issues. And, and I think that the reason is their, their, their rationale or their political strategy is, well, let's not bring them up because that gives an, that creates an opening for our political opponents to say we're doing a bad job on, you know, gas and groceries and, sure. and crime. Um, I'll tell you, I mean, I, I saw several billboards traveling down the Pennsylvania Turnpike uh, from the Republican candidates for office that, that focused on law and order. I mean, mm. they are clearly trying to make that an issue in that state. I think it's an area where there is some weakness on the part of of, of Democrats going back to statements they made in 2020, including the vice president of the United States bailing out uh, criminals, uh, you know, so supporting you know measures that I think are deeply unpopular today in low-income and minority communities because they have experienced uh, firsthand the consequences of, of policies like defunding the police and, and attacking law enforcement. So they've tried to backtrack on some of those things, so I'm not surprised that they, they haven't uh, led with that as a, as a big message. I think one of the other things that's an underlying concern, which is, is probably not getting the, the attention from the media, uh, but it did in last year's election, and that's education and the frustration that parents have over the education system in our country. And, and where, is, where is President Biden and, and his party on this? We see poll after poll showing that voters tend to trust Democrats more in education, and yet we see these new numbers coming out from the nation's report card that, that the learning gap is the, the worst that it's, it's been in, in ages or ever uh, here in Washington, D.C., uh, the, the numbers are scandalous uh, in terms of the number of students who are proficient in, in reading and writing. I mean, in some cases, you know, it's it's in the, the teens or in the 30%. I mean, these numbers uh, should be shocking and, mm-hmm. and they're totally unacceptable. And yet I don't see anybody covering, uh, you know, these types of stories, Bill. And I, I wonder why. I, I wonder yeah. why there's so much attention on, on ultra MAGA Republicans when right in Joe Biden's backyard, uh, there, are, there are huge... Uh, problems when it comes to uh, educating America's youth. Mm-hmm. Rob Louie is my guest. He's the executive editor at The Daily Signal. Um, Rob, when I uh, was watching the, the news over the weekend and I, I saw the story of this woman out jogging who gets abducted and ends up getting murdered, and I am reminded of how increasingly more frightening it is just to just to try to go about your everyday life. Um because of the rising crime. I think that's oh, going to yeah. be a really big issue. No, I, I agree. I mean, th- this one obviously d- did garner national attention uh, given the circumstances, but, you know, it, 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 it does frighten you. And I think those of us who are, are, are parents to ki- you know, kids and, you know, worry about uh, their, their safety, I mean, there's, there's a whole number of factors here. Uh, things that you think are just aren't possible in your community, uh, when something like this happens, it really shatters your your trust and, uh, and and raises uh, concern. Now there there are you know obviously certain certain bad actors that, that live in the world and there's you know certain things you can do to stop them or prevent it. But Bill, I think it was just last week where you and I were talking about a, a very fascinating uh, new book um, uh, from Rafael Mangual of the Manhattan Institute, where he looked at some of these myths that exist uh, in our country about crime and incarceration. And really trying to dispel them, uh, and you don't often get the full story. Um, it, so often, the people who commit these crimes are repeat offenders. They're individuals who, who probably uh, you know should be in a in a if not in prison, in, at least in a program where they're getting help and support. And and as you and I know, um, you know, I think part of the breakdown that we have in our in our society right now is the fact that we have. Uh, really a deterioration in the number of people who are, are believing in God, who, you know, regularly go to church, 
um, you know, practice faith in, in some way. And, and I think when you don't have that grounding uh, in, in, in religion uh, and, and, and somebody that you can, you know, turn to, whether that be, you know, a, a church community or, or a priest or a rector or, or you know, somebody that mm-hmm. you, know, you, you trust, uh, you, you tend to resort to, to these types of behaviors. And so I think that's only one solution, but I think it's an important one that too often gets, gets forgotten about and, and left out of the conversation. Yeah. Rob, I got a, a lot more I've got to cover when we come back, but I do need to take a break. Rob Bluey is my guest. He's the executive editor at The Daily Signal. Head to dailysignal.com. We'll be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. Welcome back to the show. Rob Louie is my guest. He is the executive editor at The Daily Signal. You can go to dailysignal.com. We have time for a question or two. If you have one for Rob, text it over, please, to 877-933-2484. Rob, I just want to jump back to education real quick because there was that Kansas middle school teacher, Pamela Richard, who was suspended, and she was informed during the parent-teacher conference that she couldn't use the trans name. She wasn't allowed to, but she had to yet call the student by the trans name in the classroom, but wasn't allowed to disclose that information in front of the parents. So in other words, yeah. you have to deceive and hide and lie and not let the parents know what name you're supposedly supposedly using in the classroom. And she was suspended for not doing it. And then uh, she won a $95,000 settlement award from the school district. Well, well, it's too often we're seeing this happen more and more where schools are asking their teachers to engage in this kind of behavior. I'm, I'm glad that the outcome was ultimately positive, but you have to think about uh, she's not alone in this regard. I mean, we've covered several of these cases, whether it be, um, you know, near us here in Virginia, uh, cases that, that have made their way through the courts or or elsewhere in the in the country. And you know, as school is, as, as, you know, school begins, I know many kids are going back to school today after Labor Day and others have already begun. I mean, you, you really are concerned about some of the policies that these administrators are pursuing and, and forcing upon uh, the students in, the, in those districts. I think parents uh, in, are entrusting their, their kids uh, to, you know, they're, they're delegating this, this responsibility. I, I went to our youngest is is going to a, a church school, uh, and I, I thought it was I thought the the school administrator's comments to the parents at the at the back to school night last week were just so touching. I mean, she was actually moved to tears uh, when she was talking to the parents about what an honor and privilege it is for us to be entrusting our kids with her and her staff, and how much they care. For, for their learning environment. Now, obviously, this is a religious-affiliated school, so, I mean, it's slightly different than a public school. But I, sa- I was thinking to myself, my goodness, I wish that the public schools or even the private schools would have that same kind of attitude and approach. And I never almost hear it with, <laughs> with the other, with my two older kids. And so, uh, because I think that, you know, some of them view it as an experiment. I mean, they're, they're you know, whether it's 
be, you know, the preferred names and pronouns or whether it be actively trying to transition kids if they uh, have doubts about their their sex. Um, you know, that's, that it's, it's deeply problematic and disturbing. Uh, increasingly, they, they seem to want to do this outside of the purview of parents entirely, uh, where you have some cases where uh, the parents don't even know about uh, these, these types of things that are happening until it's too late or, or after the fact. And so the kid might be called a certain pronoun or a different name at school. And then, uh, you know, they, they find out uh, from, you know, the school at a, at a later date that the transition's already happened and the, if the parent's not going to comply with it, well, then they're going to contact the state and uh, there will be repercussions. And so uh, we need teachers to stand up and hopefully uh, this Kansas teacher sets, a, sets an example for, for others. Yeah, amen to that. Rob Louie is my guest, executive editor at The Daily Signal. Rob, I'd love to talk a little bit about big tech and uh, I don't know what updates there are, but my next guest, Dr. Erwin Lutzer, who's coming on, he, I clipped this couple lines out of his book and he was talking about the... Um, the rants of Iran, Iran's Aitolas have not been censored by big tech, nor has China's exploitation of the Internet to justify its tight-fisted communist agenda. Pornography flows, um, but any comments of a political or even a medical nature with which the elites disagree are often deleted. The rule is simple. Amplify the voices we agree with and silence those with whom we disagree. And we get to decide who speaks and who, and who doesn't. Well, and Bill, to bring together the the, the, the previous topic with this one, uh, the Daily Signal has has a story uh, which which we you know inter- interviewed Senator Marsha Blackburn, who's been uh, leading uh, the charge against big tech for its its censorship practices, and and the latest example is this Twitter account called Libs of TikTok. Of oh, course, yeah. TikTok being uh, this this Chinese owned uh, platform, but is very popular uh, with with many American youth. And uh, libs of TikTok basically exist to expose some of the things that, that take place and are said uh, on these platforms. And, you know, there was a story about Children's National, uh, which was, it, it, you know, pursuing gender affirming uh, hysterectomies on minors, including 16 year olds and even younger kids. And when, you know, libs of TikTok, you know, reports this and, and other news, uh, this obviously goes against the agenda of those on the left and apparently the, the overlords at Twitter and they suspend the account. So instead of instead of allowing them to engage in a debate and a conversation about this, they just shut them down. And we've seen this happen over and over again. I mean, we are we've experienced it ourselves at The Daily Signal and and our parent, the Heritage Foundation, has as well. Uh, it's it's deeply troubling, and I think that this is one of the areas where I'm actually disappointed. I thought there was more of a bipartisan appetite. You know, you talked about we started the conversation about, uh, you know, kind of where 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 Biden maybe could seek some unity. Well, here's an area where I think yeah. you have have critics on both the left and the right. Now, obviously, for different reasons. Uh, you know, sometimes the left wants to pursue these policies against the big tech firms for different reasons than the right does. But ultimately, some of their their ultimate goals are the same, and 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 those are you know basically ensuring that these companies are not so powerful uh, that we lose control of of, a, of an important platform. Really, what is a, you know the 21st century town hall? So, mm-hmm. Bill, I, I'd like to see uh, see some action on this. I'm not sure that we actually will. And in the meantime, we just have to keep exposing these incidents. And if your listeners out there experience it, regardless of where they are in the political spectrum, I encourage them to to make some noise about it and let other people know that they are experiencing censorship themselves. Yeah, Rob, my understanding of the libs of TikTok is they don't produce any original content. They just expose clips that they find online. That's and they correct. Let, and they yes. let the, the clips speak for themselves. And then people finally see what's being said and done. And then they get upset. That's right. And, 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 and uh, they were first suspended by Facebook. And then, and then about a week later, uh, you know, Twitter, uh, t- you know, took them out as well. So, 
it's uh you know it's it's deeply problematic yeah. and uh and and i i think that anytime you it seems to me that anytime somebody starts to have some effectiveness or gain a following in this case 1.3 million followers on twitter obviously you're reaching a, a fairly sizable audience particularly an audience of influencers which twitter largely is uh all of a sudden you're shut down and you're you're locked out and there have been you know some some entities like i think babylon b you know which yeah. refused to comply with Twitter's uh, rules. Oftentimes, Twitter will let you back on if you delete the content that they deem to be offending. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and some people do that because they feel like it's too important of a platform for them to just sit it out. But others have said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to comply with your rules. I'm, uh, I'm refusing to, uh, to abide by those uh, standards because I disagree with them. Yeah. Rob Bluey is my guest. Uh, Rob, is a question that came in, is there any part of the border wall that is still being constructed? I heard that people are still crossing the, so the southern border. Uh, they they certainly are. We still have have a massive problem. In fact, we last month we sent set a uh, an all time record in terms of apprehensions. So I mean, it is it is continuing to be a crisis that this administration does not have control over. Uh, I am I, I I'm not I don't want to give a with 100 percent certainty, but I'm not aware of areas that are being newly constructed. They the administration might be repairing some portion of the wall. Although, uh, as we know, this was a high priority of President Trump's to build the wall. And almost every single Trump border policy that was put in place uh, was undone by the Biden administration uh, almost on day one. And, uh, and the border wall uh, is just one of many tactics that, that the Trump administration was trying to use. As my colleague here, Mark Morgan, often says, uh, walls do work. I mean, we know this from firsthand accounts of the Border Patrol, which he mm -hmm. led, and, uh, and, and they're effective in, in terms of at least deterring people from trying to cross the border. And do they keep everyone out? No. Uh, but, you know, you can't have Border Patrol guard every single mile of the border. And the walls do play a strategic uh, deterrent in certain areas. Mm -hmm. Rob, over the weekend, I read an article in the Wall Street Journal of this uh, restaurant in Europe that said her um, energy expenses will be going from about 12,000 uh, pounds a year to 64,000 pounds a year, essentially putting her out of business. What, yeah, is, it, what I, is going on with the Europe energy crisis and when is it going to trickle down to us? Well, it, I think it already has in California. I mean, we're, we're seeing record heat in California. Mm -hmm. uh, the ut utilities cannot keep up uh, with the with the demand. We're, we're already, I mean, we saw in Colorado the fact that they were going to con control thermostats and, and, you know, California is already issuing guidance about, uh, you know, temperature, you know, temperature you have to keep your home and turning lights off. So, I mean, yes, the, the problem in Europe, I think, is, is much larger because they were so dependent on Russia. And right. as Russia attacked Ukraine, a lot of European countries decided rightly to pull back, but you know, in the <laughs> if they don't have the backup plan, then they're in trouble. And I think that we're going to experience the same type of thing with California wanting to to ban all gas powered cars and you know, know doing other things. Bill, I mean, it's going to put that state in a really tough bind. And I think energy is going to be one of the first things that uh, where where people start to feel the effect firsthand. Yeah, and then when the energy heat wave was coming in California, they said, "Don't charge your electric car." Right. Because we can't so put that pressure on the grid. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. All right, Rob, always good to talk. Thanks for the lively discussion today, and I look forward to uh, seeing you next week. Thanks, Bill. You I bet. always appreciate it. I appreciate you as well. Rob Bluey's been my guest. As you know, I love people on both sides of the aisles, and I want to stay in the middle and just let the discussion happen. And I hope you enjoyed uh, Rob today. As always, he is uh, such a nice guest. We'll take a break and be back with Dr. Erwin Lutzer.
It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, what's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Welcome to the show. How about a a rallying reminder that believers uh, must have the courage to proclaim Scripture's truth in a culture in desperate need of only what God can offer. We're going to talk about uh, that to Dr. Erwin Lutzer. He's written a brand new book called No Reason to Hide, Standing for Christ in a Collapsing Culture. Dr. Lutzer, welcome. I'm so glad to be with you, Bill. And uh, yes, we're going to talk about issues that people confront every day. Yep. And I don't know if you heard any of the previous show. I figured that you listen to me every day. Uh, but in the event you didn't, I was quoting you in the last half hour. I'm sorry I was not listening <laughs> to you. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, your book is so interesting. I have to say, uh, when I started it and I thought, ooh, I can't wait for uh, Dr. Lutzer to talk about clapping. Yes. That is fascinating. Yeah, actually, the story is that a speech was given on behalf of Stalin, and people stood up and clapped for 11 minutes. And finally, the director of a paper factory sat down. Everybody was glad. That meant they could all sit down. That night, according to Solzhenitsyn, he was tried, thrown in jail, and told, don't ever be the first one to stop clapping. So how does freedom die? With thunderous applause. Everybody clap, please. Wow. (laughs) So we are pretty much told in this woke culture that if you hear something, you better start clapping for it or else we we might cancel you. Exactly. There are two ways that we are being Sovietized. Number one is people are no longer promoted based on their ability or even their loyalty to a company in the past, but whether or not they are in line with woke culture. So it used to be if you apply for a job in chemistry, if you're a good chemist, you could get the job. But nowadays, you'll also be asked, are you comfortable with multiple pronouns? Are you on board with the LGBTQ agenda? So no longer is it sufficient to simply serve people I tell the story of an attorney that I met who said that she was representing two women who were fired from their job because they wouldn't wear a a BLM um, insignia on their clothes and a rainbow. So it's not enough to serve. You have to be in line with the culture. The second way is that uh, in the Soviet Union, of course, truth and the media fused with the government agenda, and we certainly know all about that today in terms of our canceled culture where only certain ideas are permitted to uh, be spread throughout the culture. So here we are, and uh, what we have to do is to clap. So everybody's asking, am I woke enough to be seen as virtuous? Am I woke enough to be able to keep my job and to be able to keep on going? Mm-hmm. Dr. Erwin Lutzer is my guest. His book is called No Reason to Hide, Standing for Christ in a Collapsing Culture. And it is a uh, a page-turner, uh, Dr. Lutzer. I, I so enjoyed it. And one of the things I read in the last half hour, and I'll I'll bring it up again because it involves big tech and how we are being censored on platforms all the time, 
And now a lot of young people are getting their news exclusively online from Facebook and, and other social media platforms. But anyway, the line was that the, the Ayatollahs from Iran can still, they're still not censored. China's not censored. Pornography flows. But if you make a political or, a, uh, uh, or even a medical uh, decision or opinion, which with the elites disagree, you're, the, the, dele- the uh, tweets get deleted. So the rule well, is simple, you say. Amplify the voices we agree with and silence those with whom we disagree, and we get to decide who speaks and who doesn't. Well, today I was on with someone, I won't mention his name, but he was interviewing me, and he's been banned from YouTube. So unless you go along with the issues uh, that are generally believed in the culture regarding the vaccines, regarding COVID, regarding certain issues, regarding um, social justice, you can be canceled. And um, you're absolutely right. I'm so glad that you read the book. You know that you are one of the first people to read it because the book I know, some copies were sent early, but actually today is the official launch of the book. And uh, I believe very deeply that one of the things that God has asked me to do is to help Christians to think clearly about these issues, but also what our response should be. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Lutzer, in, in the book, No Reason to Hide, um, and just in, in all uh, transparency, I didn't finish the entire book, but I got through a lot of it. Um, and you say that collective demonization is the norm in all total- totalitarian regimes. So in Nazi Germany... Churches flew swastikas from above their steeples and tacked them on their church doors, saying, in effect, when you come for the Christians, don't come for us. We're on your side. Exactly. And that's what woke washing is among businesses today, is where they are expected to go along with the culture and, um, you know, to be able to wave the flag and to say that we are on the side of progress, we are on the side of the progressives, we are on the side of the left. You know, speaking about that also, not just when it comes to such issues as censorship, but you'll notice in the book I have two chapters on race. One is on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And what I try to show there, Bill, is that this actually, even though it's well-meaning, it actually goes against all possibility of moving forward in race relations because it divides. It causes us to see one another in oppositional terms. And as a result, our society is being torn apart rather than being uh, brought together. And uh, how wonderful it is that the Bible actually has the answer to all of this wrangling and shouting back and forth. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Lutzer, it's so interesting the way the words evolved, phrases evolved. Even in uh, white supremacy, I would love for you to talk about how that has changed. Yeah, well, you know, white supremacy, as traditionally defined, should be condemned. Amen. It is wrong. It is, of course, thinking that your culture is best and therefore your culture should rule. Uh, based on your skin color. The problem is, without getting into the controversy regarding January 6th, I point out that now that that has happened, 
white supremacists are everywhere. If you honor the flag, you're a white supremacist. If you believe in uh, creation, you're a white supremacist. If you believe in traditional values, even I show that if you believe in the nuclear family, you are considered to be a white supremacist. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And and then later on, in that book on um, issues regarding diversity, equity, and inclusion, of all things, I show that in Princeton... There's a math teacher who is going against the culture because they have imposed the idea that if you believe that mathematics has only one right answer, that is white supremacy, and you are, I'm sure, a racist. And so he's arguing, this professor from Romania is arguing profusely that um, this is, in effect, insanity. Mm -hmm. He says that in Romania, he respected the communists more, who at least believed that two plus two is equal to four. So what you have is social justice being applied across the board. Now, just think of this. Princeton graduates open a new bank in your community, and, uh, you know, you put in money, and you go to withdraw it, and they say, well, there isn't just one right answer. Uh, that's white supremacy. Uh, there are several different answers. So you have one answer as to how much money you have in the bank, and they have a different one. Now, I quote uh, Orwell, who is quoted as saying that there are some ideas that are so absurd that only intellectuals can believe them. So, you know, uh, while I'm on the topic regarding George Orwell, he has a story in which Winston is taken into a room and he's taught that two plus two is equal to five. It's also equal to three. Sometimes it's equal to both. I've thought about that. And the real reason is not that they think that they convince him, but that he might learn to live by lies. Mm -hmm. Just live with a lie. Mm -hmm. And that's the way it is in transgenderism. I have a chapter there to try to help parents think through what do you say to your child if he comes home and says, I'm trans. Well, they want us to live by lies. Everybody knows that men can't have babies, too. Everybody knows that, but they want us to live by lies. They want us to believe that two plus two is five. And that's the nation in which we believe. And by the way, Voltaire, for all of his faults, and they were many, said that if they can get you to believe absurdities, eventually they can get you to commit atrocities. So that's the way we are in the culture, and the church and individuals need to stand against it and say we will not submit. Yeah, that's uh, such a good point, Dr. Lutzer. Um, Dr. Erwin Lutzer is my guest. No reason to hide standing for Christ in a collapsing culture. And in one of your chapters, uh, you talk about will we be deceived by the language used by the propagandists, but before I get to that, uh, Dr. Luther, I was, I was thinking of Nazi Germany, where at some point people agreed to do the Heil Hitler thing. They didn't go, I'm not doing that. That's stupid. Somebody agreed to do it, and then other people started doing it, and then it wasn't an option anymore. Well, if you go back to the beginning of our conversation, that's what clapping for Stalin was. Exactly. 
Exactly. And the problem is that if you didn't, you could lose your business. You, you know, so these are serious matters. You either go along with the culture or you don't. But you raised one of the most interesting chapters. I think it's chapter six in my book. It is chapter book. six. That came out available September 6, 2022. Yeah. Talk about timing. The Bill uh, Arnold talk Show. About, oh. Talk about chapter six I'm where I discuss the issue of... Uh, uh, the issue, of course, of uh, propaganda. Yeah, Hitler, well, one of the things that propaganda, first of all, in the larger picture, the purpose of propaganda is to so shape people's view of reality that even when confronted with a mountain of evidence, they will not change their mind. In the best kind of propaganda, people are misled without even knowing it. And Hitler, for example, you camouflage what you want to do. When he starved children, he called it putting them on a low-calorie diet. Killing the Jews was the cleansing of the land. Now, the reason that this becomes important is Gable said, all propaganda must have emotion, either anger or fear, And you need to stir up the masses so that facts no longer matter. Mm -hmm. In that chapter, I have six different ways that language is used in propaganda. Let me give you, I think it's number two. One of the universities, and I quote the name in the book, has a speech code that they published. You're not supposed to use the word fireman, policeman. You're not supposed to use the word victim. And it goes on and... If there's a barbershop in your community, don't say that he takes walk-ins because you might offend those who can't walk. There are those who are in wheelchairs mm-hmm. now. Now, let's just back off and ask ourselves, Bill, what in the world is going on here? The purpose of that is not to elevate the conversation. It's intended to silence the conversation mm-hmm. so that... You have no idea what is right. Can you go into a restaurant and still ask for a menu? Nobody (laughs) knows. Nobody knows. Maybe you should ask for a woman you, too. Yeah. The point is, this is why university students self-censor themselves. They have no idea what is appropriate. They're afraid of saying a straightforward sentence. And that's the whole point. It is to narrow the realm of speech so that in return, you narrow the realm of thought. And that's just one way that language is used in propaganda, and I illustrate that in the book. Mm -hmm. And you do it very well. Dr. Erwin Lutzer is my guest. His brand-new book, which comes out today, is called No Reason to Hide, Standing for Christ in a Collapsing Culture. And it is a great book. I'll take a short break and be back with Dr. Lutzer in just a minute. We want to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're creating encouraging posts every day to help you focus on the important things as you spend time on social media. From graphics that feature Bible verses and quotes from our hosts and show guests, to articles about topics you are interested in, to videos from our hosts. Search Faith Radio on social media sites to connect with us today.
I'm back with Dr. Erwin Lutzer, and I'm awfully glad to be celebrating the um, arrival of his brand new book, which comes out today, No Reason to Hide, Standing for Christ in a Collapsing Culture. Dr. Lutzer, let's talk about if we will compromise with the Christian left. Um, I mean, how does an evangelical church go woke? Well, that's interesting in two different ways. First of all, it buys into social justice, which is defined according to the world. Now, the Bible commands us to be involved in justice issues. What does the Lord your God require of you but to do justice? But social justice is entirely different. Social justice involves a whole constellation of ideas regarding gender theory. It may include queer theory. It may include socialism, economic equality, and all the rest. And so churches buy into this because it sounds good. Remember, Bill, ideas don't have to work in order to survive. They only have to sound good. So, (laughs) Uh So what you have is this, and I tell the story of a church that was unified, but after the death of George Floyd, the church, in effect, broke apart because of the whole justice... Uh, social justice theories, which began to pit one skin color against another. So that's one way the left can go woke. I mean, even evangelical churches. Secondly, has to do with issues of sexuality. So because of love, there are those who uh, accept same-sex marriage, etc. I point out that love can be evil, When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they didn't stop loving. They just started to love the wrong things, lovers of pleasure, lovers of self, lovers of uh, evil. So, you know, people think that love, love is love. Well, yeah, love is love, but biblical love is well-defined. Getting back to social justice for just a moment, There's a verse in Isaiah 59, I think it's verse 11 or 12, that says this, Justice is turned away, and righteousness stands afar off, because truth has stumbled in the public square. When it comes to issues of justice, they have to be based on biblical views of justice and truth, a biblical worldview. When it comes to matters of sexuality, Everybody uses the word just. There's social justice, there's environmental justice, and they do that because it's a perfectly good word, but um, nobody wants to be standing in the way of justice, so pressure is put upon us to accept that kind of terminology, including also the word equality. I think I discussed this in the same chapter when we're talking about um, how language is used. But that's the way it's used, and that's how a church can go woke. Mm -hmm. They may mean well, but they end up with unbiblical ideas. And social justice, as it is generally used today in society, is not the gospel. We have to shout that from the housetops. Yeah. Dr. Lutzer, when you're driving down the street, you pass a small church or a medium-sized church, and there's a rainbow flag out front, and the big sign that says, uh, we all are welcome here. What do you think? Well, first of all, I like the phrase that says, all are welcome here. But of course, they're trying to convey an idea, namely that if you come to this church, you will be 
uh, affirmed even in same-sex relations, no matter what kind of a sexual identity you have and that you live out. And that, of course, is entirely wrong. I know that uh, there are those who struggle with same-sex attraction. We have to be able to help them. But for those who are involved in uh, that kind of sexuality, the Bible is incredibly clear. I don't have to quote here Romans chapter 1 and, of course, passages in the Old Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, etc. Now, what's important to know is this. You say, yes, but everybody believes it. In the book, I quote uh, Booker T. Washington, who said, evil doesn't become good, wrong doesn't become right, just because the majority believe it to be so. And that's why I wrote the book, namely uh, the one that we're referring to here, No Reason to Hide. I wrote it so that we might know what is happening in our society and what it is that we have to stand against. The subtitle Standing for Christ in a Collapsing Culture. Mm -hmm. Dr. Erwin Lutzer is my guest, and his book is No Reason to Hide. And uh, Dr. Lutzer, in your book in Chapter 8, you you quote Henry Blackaby, and I like Henry Blackaby, and he said, you know, he, he says, Do you not already hear the warnings of God? Do you not see that the enemy is coming in like a flood? God is trying to raise up a standard against us. I mean, there is talk now of trying to live... Uh, the fiction of living in a gender-neutral society. How do we oppose that? I wrote that chapter to help parents to um, talk to their kids, as well as the one on children, the next chapter, uh, when they come home and say that they are transgender. How do we reply to that? Very briefly, let us remember that self-perception is not necessarily a reliable guide as to who we are. You can go into a psych ward and find somebody who absolutely, totally believes he is Napoleon, but he might not, excuse me, he might not be right. In fact, we know he won't be. You know, there are young women who struggle with anorexia. They look in the mirror and see themselves as overweight. Mm -hmm. They really do, but they're starving themselves. Mm -hmm. Should we say to them, well, only you know who you really are, and therefore, you must, uh, we must accept you because, uh, as to who you are because we, uh, we have to give you your autonomy and only you know who you really are. And if, so, if a boy says, I'm a girl, he is confused. And we don't help him by going along with that confusion. I don't mention this in the book, but Caitlyn Jenner, Bruce Jenner, He, on Father's Day, accepts um, flowers from one of his biological daughters. He said that he accepts it because they say that he is their father, and he says, I am their father. Okay. When did he become a woman? Did he father a child when he was a woman? This becomes so absurd that it's unbelievable. It goes back to what I said earlier about two plus two is equal to five. And we must help people to think through how to counteract this in society because it is an ultimate fist against God. Gender neutrality. I talked there about a wedding, you know, here comes the broom. The word broom is a a synthesis of bride and groom. Mm -hmm. 
because we don't want any gender in our wedding, this guy says. Okay. What kind of confusion are we bringing about? And young people, this should make us weep. Girls are having mastectomies. Boys are being castrated, if I might say that. And they're doing it because they're told they are trans. And why do they say that? Think of it for a moment. You go to school, you're shown pornography, you are told that all this is normal, you're attracted in one sense, but you're also filled with shame. Shame eventually produces depression. Depression makes you feel hollow and empty. And somebody comes along and says, oh, you know the way you feel the way you do? You must be trans. Mm -hmm. You were born Bert, become Bertha. Mm-hmm. And if you become Bertha, you're going to find all this happiness. Meanwhile, you're ruining your future. If you begin with the surgery, you end up unable to become a biological parent. Yeah. But nonetheless, this is what is being sold to our culture. And parents, God is going to hold you accountable for the way in which your children are educated. Ouch. And there is going to be this position that the trans student will take, and they will say, I'm willing to talk to you, but don't you dare try to change my mind. So I, I always think that's that's what I think they're conditioned from hearing messages on the Internet. Yeah, and, um, you know, if we can't change their minds, we can't change their minds. We just have to love them, Yeah, tell them about Jesus who Amen. died for broken people. You know, Jesus said, those of you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me for rest. We can't change human nature, mm-hmm. and if they don't want to be changed, but we can lovingly pray for them and help them to try to see. And there yep. may come a point at which they are willing to discuss the issue yep. and see the truth. Thank you, Dr. Lutzer. It's been a delight having you on. Thank you, Bill. God you bet. bless. You bet. We'll take a short Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.